Good evening and welcome to Monsters Among Us. I'm your guide, Derek Hayes. My lord, episode 7 already. I'll tell you, this season has certainly been flying by. Now welcome back to the program, everyone. And for you newcomers, and especially, hearty welcome. Now the show I have slated for this evening is crammed full of spooks, spirits, specters, and so much more. So pull a stool up to the fire, and do your best to avert your gaze from the monsters hiding in the shadows. And it's in those shadows that we begin tonight, with a story out of the state of Texas, something creeping around in the dark. Please join me in welcoming Brendan to the program. Yes, my name is Brendan, here in Texas. It's really hard to describe what it was that I seen, because really all I seen was uh, some red glowing eyes. And this was probably 30 years ago. I was spending a night with my cousin, and we were little boys running around in our underwear and stuff. We had dared each other to run around the block. And he lives, you know, corner of town by some woods. As we went running around down a dark road, an unpaved road, we just both heard some crackling in the woods, and we turned and looked over there. And we could both see these red eyes. And I know that that, that sounds like, like something you're not going to believe because animal eyes grow green. They don't grow red. And I know that only Hollywood and masks and stuff grow red. They were red. I realized that. You're going to say it was a mask or I'm making it up. It, they were red. That's how it was. We seen it. We looked over there. It was probably within three or four seconds. I could have sworn I heard like a guitar strum. And I know what would be playing a guitar out in the middle of nowhere like that. But it did. It scared the hell out of us. And we basically hauled back ass, you know, to his house. I thought as soon as I got in the house, I would, you know, see that it was his brother or something. As we come through the door, I looked and his brother was asleep on the couch. And there's no possible way that he beat us there. I mean, a couple of 12-year-old boys running as fast as they can, maybe 70 yards. There's no possible way he could have. It could have been him. I'd never really ever been able to figure out what that was. I'd, uh mentioned it to my cousin a few years back and he kind of looked at me like you know he like he remembered a little bit of it but it was sketchy in his head like why would i still be remembered it so i just didn't mention it again there was another time i mentioned it to a girl i was dating she looked at me like i was crazy but there was clearly something there there was clearly something there i don't believe that it was human i don't believe that no human would be there it's it's in the middle of a, of a big cactus field and and uh, mesquite trees in which you know mesquite thorns and everything like that it just there wouldn't be no homeless person there there wouldn't be no need for anybody to be there now what it might strum the guitar i don't know i don't know that that's what i heard it sounded like a guitar strum just one acoustic guitar strum or something anyway we hauled ass i've heard recently after that probably i want to say 10 years ago she started having you know things getting into my aunt's chicken pen stuff like that hog i mean huge like one of them was like a 200 pound hog just picked up and gone just picked up and gone just gone no one can explain where it went it didn't get out the cage wasn't up with something stepped over the wall got it and carried it off anyway i believe that whatever that is is still there in that area like i said all i've seen was some red eyes and i know you're gonna say red eyes are you know that that don't exist you know the green eyes you know all animals have got green eyes and i would agree with that as a hunter as a grown man and a hunter i would agree with that I would also, you know, agree with if you see red eyes, it's usually Hollywood or a mask or something. What we seen red eyes, 
That's what it was. We both seen the red eyes. We both heard the guitar strum. And we both hauled ass. I'm fixing to start stalking that area and just try to figure out what it was. What it was. I mean, it, it was something. I'm, I, I just, I got to know. Maybe some game cameras, some different stuff. I don't want to put too much activity around that area because I don't want to scare anything off that might be around there. But there's been a lot of hen houses robbed. There's been a lot of animals just come up missing in that area. And I didn't hear nothing. I didn't smell nothing. There was no footprints. We didn't see nothing. I heard some crackling, turn and looked and seen red eyes. After looking just a little bit, we heard a, a solid just guitar strum. And then we hauled ass. I can't explain what it was. All I know is that I don't believe that it was a human in the middle of all those cactus and, and briars and everything. There's no way. You know, it would eat a man up regardless. That's basically my story. And uh, if anything comes of this, I just need to know who I'm going to put this information to if I find anything, if I catch anything. And I, I hadn't even called my, contacted my cousin about this, which I'm going to have to because it's his land. But I don't know. Anyway, that's my story. Thank you, sir, for the entry. Now let's get this out of the way first. I completely believe you saw Red Eye Shine. It's actually not as uncommon as one would think. A crocodilian's eye, for example, typically reflects red. That's uh, gators and crocs for those unfamiliar. And believe it or not, and I know I've mentioned it before, but I've actually seen this color displayed in a human before. And that's outside of a photograph. You see, growing up, my neighbor Frank, whom I swear I've mentioned before, liked to try to scare us kids whenever he could. And he was pretty good at it. Well, this particular event occurred when I took a flashlight out to our woodshed to gather firewood before a coming storm. Little to my knowledge, Frank lay hiding beside the shed. And when he popped up, and I trained the light on his face. His eyes glowed bright red, just like any vampire or werewolf in Hollywood. But I can assure you, to this day, Frank is still, as he was then, as normal as a person can get, at least around those parts. But I try to be as accurate as I can in the info I share, so I went digging into this matter once more. That's when I unearthed some interesting yet troubling information. Information courtesy of Brain Stuff and How Stuff Works on YouTube. So there's something really spooky about the way that animals' eyes shine in the dark. My grandmother, she called it the shining, uh, but most people refer to it as the tapetum lucidum. But the point of the whole thing is to uh, allow an animal to see better in the dark, right? Yeah, it's, it's a reflective surface behind the retina, and it's a pretty common feature in lots of vertebrates that do stuff in low-light environments. There are three basic tapetal morphotypes in vertebrates. All right, so the first are animals without any tapetal lucida. This includes humans and other primates, uh, squirrels, pigs, and birds. And the second type are animals with the tapetal material located within the retina itself, uh, making it really close to the eye's photoreceptor cells, yeah? Sure, uh, the most common of this group is fish and reptiles. Right. It occurs really rarely in some mammals, like fruit bats and opossums. So the last type of animals that have 
capital material. It's found inside the choroid vascular layer of the eye that's uh, kind of over or around or behind the retina or all three, depending on the configuration of the animal's eyeball. Uh, lemurs, uh-huh. cows, uh-huh. sheep, horses, and the aforementioned kittens. And yeah, kittens, right? And dogs? Dogs, uh-huh. Just not people. Not people. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so at about this point, you're probably pegging me as a liar. But I swear I saw it. Just as Brendan swears he saw something similar. So now we know what the tabitum lucidum is and does. Now how does it determine what color eye shine each set of eyes should have? Another difference is that not all tabitum lucidum shine with the same color, right? I know this part, if I may. Yeah. Uh, so depending on the um, some of the proteins and minerals in the eye, like riboflavin, mm-hmm. zinc, everything to make you like a strong, like a strong kid, and then other things like imperfections in the eye, pigments, all these things can kind of come together to form the tapetum lucidum, right? Right. And make its color. So you have things like green, yellow, blue, red. Uh, no, red is due to a different thing. Red eye in a photo mm-hmm. is from reflection off of the blood vessels at the back of your eye. So basically it's like uh, when you're looking at an animal and you see that uh, what's called eye shine from the tapetum lucidum. Right. You're actually looking clear through their eyeball to the back of their eye and it's being reflected by the tapetum lucidum, right? Right. But in a human, you're just seeing straight back and it's reflecting off of the blood. Right. And that's red eye. That is red eye. Well, that's pretty awesome. Well, this is the unsettling part. Frank did not have red eye shine. The light was bouncing off the blood in the back of his eye cavities. I somehow liked it before when I only suspected he was a werewolf. But applying this info to Brendan's encounter, I think it's easy to knock a few suspects off the list. If it was glowing red, it is not a creature with tabitum lucidum or night vision. So we can eliminate logical suspects like deer, cattle, and coyotes. Now that leaves us with a list of options that includes humans, birds, and other primates. So given the rough and rugged terrain that Brendan described, we could probably go ahead and assume it's not a human. And since they don't exist in the state of Texas, we can also kick out primates, right? So what does that leave us with? Well, Let me ask you, could the eyes Brendan saw belong to an owl? That certainly could explain how the creature traversed the rough terrain that Brendan spoke of. And it could also explain the height, as it could be resting on a branch. And Texas does in fact have 14 owl species recorded to live there. And here is the kicker. Because all birds lack that special night vision membrane... Its eyes, when illuminated, glow bright red. Go ahead, Google owl eye shine, and you'll see what I mean. Now this certainly is not to say that that's exactly what Brendan saw, but it is one plausible explanation. The missing chickens and pigs, well that's another wrinkle for another time. And I must say though, if Brendan is looking to find Bigfoot, It's my opinion that he has a 100% chance of doing so in the Lone Star State. Many South Texas towns take their name from historical figures, with some standing out more than others. Take the town of Bigfoot, for instance. It may have a small population, but the community's namesake 
has a big reputation. No, there's no mythical monster amongst the trees. Rather, the town's namesake is this colorful character, William Bigfoot Wallace, a war hero, Texas Ranger, and a tall guy who likely received his nickname after being mistaken for an Indian called Bigfoot. But how did this town come to bear his name? There's a lot of different stories. The most popular stems from when Bigfoot reportedly owed five cents for some tobacco. An IOU was placed on the wall at the local store. The postal inspector comes down and wants to know what the name of the town is. And the storekeeper looks at the wall and says, we call it Bigfoot. Wallace was buried here. His body later moved to Austin. But the William Bigfoot Wallace Museum stands at the edge of town in his honor. If only it were that easy. Good luck to you, Brendan. And if you do find anything... We'd love to hear about it first. Oh, and that clip was provided by KSAT, ABC News 12 out of San Antonio. Now, I really learned a lot on that dive. It's honestly surprising that some of these bigger-budget paranormal programs haven't discussed that information in more detail. Maybe they did, and I simply missed it. But I'll tell you what I won't miss, and that is Evan's entry from Alberta, Canada. Hey, my name is Evan, and I'm from Alberta. I have a shadow person story, but it's kind of the opposite of a shadow person. So, when I was around seven, uh, we moved into the new ho- new house, and my room wasn't set up, my bed wasn't put together, so I was sleeping in my parents' room. And the bed was facing the door, and there was a dresser directly to the right of it. And there was about a two-foot gap from the ceiling to the top of the dresser. And so it was just a normal night. I went to bed, and I was sleeping in between them. And I don't know what time, but I awoke, and there was the figure of a man crouched over on the dresser. It was all white, but it wasn't perfectly white it was more like like a blurry kind of like kind of like how you see static on a tv but all white and it was hard to notice but he kind of like moved his head a little and moved his arms because it was hard to see because it was just a silhouette and how it was crouching over it kind of looked like if you imagine spider-man on a building it was kind of hunched over like that and i don't know if it was looking at me but yeah, I was pretty freaked out. So I just hid my head under the covers and I was like praying that I was seeing things. And I peeked back over the bed and uh, it was gone. And yeah, that really terrified me. I couldn't really go back to sleep. I never told my parents about that. I've never had sleep paralysis, anything like that. And I've never seen anything else like that in the house. This house I still live in to this day. I love the podcast. I hope you can use this. And uh, my family is actually from Newfoundland. So I have a lot of stories about stuff that happens there. Uh, They'd be kind of short, but I can tell a few. So let me know if you'd want to hear those. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Evan. It sounds like you're describing the static man. A sort of subspecies of these shadow entities. And believe it or not... We've actually heard a few submissions about this enigmatic entity on a few past episodes, all describing the manifestation the exact same way. A human silhouette 
made of what appears to be television static. Now, it's impossible to say who these people are, what they are doing there, but speculation runs from interdimensional creatures to time travelers, or even top-secret military technology. I don't know if these fall more in line with the Hat Man or Shadow People, or maybe our old friend the Glimmer Man, but either way, its appearance makes for a great entry. So thanks again, Evan for taking the time to share. Now, if something strange happened to you and you'd like to share your true experience on the show, call the hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. And if you have video, audio, or any other evidence, you can submit that to mauvideosubmission at gmail.com. Now, our next call is a little different from most entries, but chilling nonetheless. Please welcome Sarah from the state of California to the program. So, hi, um, this is Sarah calling from California, and this is really weird because I've never called in, never <laughs> done anything like this before, but I've been listening to Monsters Among Us, and it's super great podcast. Everyone's telling their story. And I thought, you know, what the hell? I'll just call in and give a shot. So I don't know if I believe like in ghosts or alternate dimensions overlapping, but I've seen two things that really stand out in my life other than, you know, weird stuff happening and like extreme deja vu and weird feelings and like, you know, all that stuff that people just kind of get, but like, Two things really stand out that I can't explain. And one is like this story that my sister and I tell because she was there. I'm in my late 30s and this happened when I was probably like 10. Um, My grandparents had come to visit us in California and we went to an IHOP because my grandmother wanted to get pancakes. And everyone had eaten and my like they were paying the bill and I went to the bathroom and I I walked in the bathroom I opened the door and I saw these like bodies laying on the floor but and like I could I could see them in the spaces between the stalls on the floor like one looked like it was up against the wall and then one looked like it was stretched across the floor sort of spanning three stalls and there might have been a third body but I don't remember that clearly but as soon as I saw that I like freaked out and left the bathroom and was going down the hall and my sister passed me and I grabbed her and I was like don't go in there there are bodies on the floor and she just kind of looked at me like I was crazy and went into the bathroom and came out almost immediately and was like you know, there's nothing there. And I was like, I swear I saw like bodies laying across the floor. And she was like, yeah, I believe you. Um, And we kind of talked about it for a minute, but I just let it go. Like, I guess I've always thought that sometimes people see things and weird stuff happens. I guess I wasn't too concerned about it. So that happened. And then the other thing that happened that was kind of like that happened two years ago, I took a trip to Kansas with my dog and 
When I got to Kansas, I stayed in Lawrence, and then I drove north. I wanted to go through the Dakotas and Montana and then Idaho and come back to California. I didn't really have much of a plan about where I was going. It was really kind of off-the-cuff uh, trip. I wound up going through the Black Hills, and I was, I'm pretty sure I was on Interstate 385. And it, it's a very wooded area, windy road. There's sort of hills that go up on the side of the road that have trees on it. And I'm driving and I see out of the corner of my eye, very distinctly, a man on a horse. There was no mistaking the silhouette. It was very specific. But as soon as I saw it, the first thing I thought was, that's really weird that like there's some branches or something that are making the exact shape of a man on a horse and so I kind of actually like turned my head to look at it and there were no trees there it was just like a space yeah I mean I can't really explain that I mean like I said I thought it was the shadows of leaves or something like that making that patterns and you know I was sort of making fun of myself in my head when I saw that shape of the person on the horse that I was you know in this very old place with a lot of history and that it was like kind of getting to me like oh like ha 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 I'm seeing things I'm seeing trees shaped like people and then when I went to look at it there was like a clearing and there were no trees there and there was nothing that could have made that shape in fact there was actually sort of like a hill where like that figure on the horse could have been standing like that's where I would have seen it and yeah, so those are like the two things that stand out. I guess like the reason I called in is because I would be really curious to hear if anyone else had had any experiences in the Black Hills. I would love to hear it. All right, thank you. Thank you, Sarah. I can't help but think seeing something like that would be a triple terror. First, the shock of seeing bodies stacked on a bathroom floor. Then the thought of, how did they get there? Could I be next? Then finally, the shock and confusion felt when it's finally realized there was nothing there to begin with. Yeah, that sort of experience could mess with a person. And it really makes you wonder what all took place in that bathroom. Terrifying stuff. Thanks again, Sarah, for taking the time to share that call. Now I hear from so many of you that you simply can't get enough of monsters among us. Yeah, I get it. Well, would you believe me if I told you you could get instant access to 45 episodes and tons of bonus content by joining us on Patreon. The $4 basic level, once a month, ensures that the episodes keep coming and the scares never stop. Visit patreon.com forward slash monsters among us podcast and sign up today. I sat down with Into the Fray Shannon Legros last night. That episode will drop this weekend. Again, that address is patreon.com forward slash monsters among us podcast. Now let's make our way back to Canada, where our next submitter has their anonymous entry waiting for us. Hey 
Hey Derek, never done anything like this before, but this is something that's kind of more recently come into play in my life as I've been studying um, astral projecting or lucid dreaming, but kind of brought back into this experience that I had when I was in, I think, grade eight. So I'm 27 now, so when I was like 14, so I guess 13 or 12 years ago or so, but my school was having a dance and my best friend at the time, Adam, his brother, who we shared a room with, wasn't going to be home, so his brother basically said that I could like sleep in his bed that night. So we we're going to have we we're going to go to the dance and then we we're going to go back to Adams and whatever. Like it's not really, the whole dance went fine, everything was normal and whatever. We went back to Adams and Adam's mom came up and said, hey, like my brother like might be coming over at some point tonight. I'm not sure when. Could be early in the morning. I'm not sure. Anyway, we went to bed. Basically, there's two beds in this one room. It's Adam, his bed, and then his brother's, which I was sleeping in. But they're both in the same small room, facing the same way. But the one I'm sleeping in is closer to the door to the hallway, so. Anyway, we go to bed, we're talking, and then I don't remember what time it was or anything, but I just remember waking up and feeling very, very out of, out of place, out of sorts, not sad, not happy, just very taken over. Like, I knew I wasn't in control. There was no point thinking I was in control. And then I just remember looking forward, but not looking, just paying attention. And I just saw this, like, tall, dark figure outside the room. And I knew it was tall because when it stepped into the room, it had to kneel down almost. It had to, like, bend over and bend its head and shoulders. It had to, like, duck through this door frame that was already, like, over six feet. It was an old house in Canada. By the way, yeah, I'm from northern Ontario, so old area, very old. But anyway, I just remember watching it bend over, and it was so tall and controlling how I felt. I felt like I knew it, knew that I was feeling in a way. And when we woke up the next morning, I figured that it was just going to be Adam's uncle, his mom's brother, that was there. So I was like, oh, what time did Fred get home last night? Because I, I think I saw him. And Adam's mom was like, oh, well, he's not coming here until next week now. I never told anyone how I felt, but Right when I heard that, I knew that I saw something, and I felt it, and I engaged with it. And I haven't talked about it until, I guess, right now. So, thanks, Derek. I love the podcast a lot, and I appreciate you letting us take the time and tell you our stories. Thank you. Thanks, caller. Yet another unsettling situation. Casually watching a ghost do its thing all the while mistakenly assuming the ghoul is someone else, someone living. Well, at least I guess he didn't try to speak to it. 
I shudder to think what it may have replied. Now the story has shades of Slenderman or even the Rake, two entities I've categorized strictly in the urban folklore file in the skeptical part of my brain. But the experience also reminds me of several alien encounters or abductions, especially with the insectoid variant of the creatures. The towering creatures reported in those encounters always seem to be quite tall, gangly, and intrusive. Now that's if you buy into the whole alien abduction thing at all. But regardless, I thoroughly enjoyed the entry. So thanks again, caller, for taking the time to send it in. Tonight's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. It's no secret that the past year has been tough on us all. So there's no time like the present to put more focus on your mental health. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? I've been there. I've struggled with depression, trauma, and grief. And I can tell you from experience, speaking to a professional can be extremely helpful. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist who is right for you. You can connect in a safe and private online environment. No need to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. You can start communicating in under 48 hours and send messages to your counselor anytime or even schedule weekly video or phone sessions. Now keep in mind, BetterHelp is not a crisis line and is not self-help. But instead, you will find counselors who specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, family conflicts, grief, and LGBTQ plus matters, and so much more. Now, BetterHelp is available worldwide and at a more affordable price than the traditional offline counseling. And financial aid is also available. So join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. And as a Monsters Among Us listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com forward slash monsters among us. That is betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash monsters among us. Now, as always, supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thank you for listening. And back to the spooky stuff. Now for our next ghostly entry we ventured to my home state into a famous haunted landmark. One I'm sure you'll probably recognize. Michelle from Ohio, the mic is yours. Hi, my name is Michelle. I live in Mansfield, Ohio, and I have kind of a fun Halloween-themed story for you guys. Back in 2006, I applied and was hired to work at the Mansfield Reformatory for their haunted house that they put up every year. Uh, Mansfield Reformatory is very well known because it was used in Shawshank Redemption and is also known to be one of the most haunted places here in Ohio. So it's a big tourist attraction and every year they do a haunted house there. So the haunted house gets started September is the setup time and then by the beginning of October is when they actually really get going with the haunted house. Before I started working there, I had heard rumors that people had had incidents weird noises, the cell doors and some of the blocks trying to close with the haunted house workers still inside, things like that. So I went in kind of already nervous 
you know, just because I am a believer and you never know what's going to happen. It always catches you off guard. So where I was actually working in the solitary confinement area, which is in one of the lower regions of the prison, at the beginning of September, there were three workers in this long, narrow hallway. So I was the first person closest to the entrance door. We had someone in the middle and someone at the very end to get people jump scared. About halfway through October, one of the co-workers had a family emergency and had to quit. So it was just me and another girl down there by herself. So I stayed at the beginning of the cell block. She was at the end. The closer we got to Halloween, we started having more and more reports of, you know, because people would leave feedback with the people who put on the haunted house and they would be like, yeah, you know, those girls down there were scaring the crap out of us and stuff. But that person who was in the middle of the hallway really got me. And what scared us the most about those kinds of comments was the fact that where they were talking about being scared at is, so the hallway's already narrow, and then there's an actual doorway built into the middle of the aisle, and you kind of have to funnel in and almost go one at a time through this doorway because there's just not a lot of room. So the fact that a worker could be hiding in that exact spot and jump out and scare someone is basically impossible. I mean, we had a lot of fun. I personally didn't have anything mess with me, but I think it was out of respect because I understood, you know, the history of the prison. But I just wanted to share that with you because it's one of my favorite memories of Halloween and I love your guys' podcast. Who knows, maybe I'll call back soon with another fun story. Thanks. Thank you, Michelle. I've driven by the Ohio State Reformatory several times, watching in awe as I passed by, not once making it inside. I'll tell you next time I'm in Ohio, I'm going to have to remedy that situation. But for those of you unfamiliar with this Ohio landmark, please allow the buttery smooth voice of Cleveland's WEWS News 5, Leon Bibb, tell you all about it. Unsettling, yet riveting, the old Mansfield Reformatory wants a maximum security prison. These cold walls and rusting steel bars hold stories. In 1896, Mansfield was built for juveniles. In 1970, it matured into a men's maximum security big house for society's baddest of the bad to be locked in 9 by 12 foot cells. A new kind of prominence came when movie makers produced Shawshank Redemption. Most prison scenes were shot here. Today, wind howls through broken windows long ago busted out by inmates. Strange things happen in this old prison. They say that the place is haunted. Certainly while we were shooting the story, we had batteries which went out on us. Camera batteries just went cold, dead, dark, just like that. They say that's because the ghosts are here. I believe them too. Tour guides swear they have seen and heard. Cell doors sliding closed. I've seen solid apparitions that look just like you and I. Actually, when we're over in the other cell block and we were walking back, I was walking in back of you and I heard a voice that came out of a cell saying, who's that guy? Man, that guy's good. If you're in the Ohio area, or perhaps passing through, consider a stop. I know they run various tours throughout the year, including paranormal tours. And thanks to folks like Michelle, Haunted attractions as well. Hey, you never know. Maybe I'll see you there. Thanks again, Michelle, for sharing your entry. Now, if you're one of those people that like to wear clothing, 
why don't you consider wearing some of mine? Mine as in I helped create it and have it for sale here in the shop. But it's not only clothing. We have bags, totes, patches, decals for your car, and much, much more. Visit the Monsters Among Us podcast forward shop to get yours today. Now our next entry takes us to the skies above Nevada. Nathan, welcome to the program. My name is Nathan, and I'm from Reno, Nevada. The reason why I called was because I believe 100% that I'd seen a UFO. I remember it took place in early February of 2020. The mornings in Reno are clear. We rarely have weather in the morning, besides a light breeze every once in a while. But I remember waiting for my friends at the bus stop at 6.53 in the morning. I come to the bus stop early just in case I don't miss the bus. And, like, the bus comes at 7.20, but it's always better to be safe than sorry. Anyway, since I was waiting, I looked up and saw this floating black pill-shaped object hovering in the sky. Not moving, not anything. I stared at this floating pill for a good three minutes until it was engulfed by clouds. I thought about it, like, all day when I had seen it. And I still, it's still clearer to me, even to this day. Like, there's no way an object at six in the morning or near seven in the morning, an like, object like that was floating in the sky, like that, not even moving, not anything, I was being watched. But that's my story. I've been listening to this awesome, amazing podcast since season six, and I love the show. Thank you, Nathan. You know, if you're going to see something strange in the sky, the airspace over Nevada is probably the perfect place to start. As for the object itself, that description sounds eerily similar to the now infamous tic-tac-toe UFO, an unidentified craft sighted and videoed by the U.S. Navy. So does that mean there is some sort of connection? Or can it simply be chalked up to mere coincidence? Regardless, thank you, Nathan, for keeping your eyes open. And if you happen to see it again, I certainly hope you can snap a photo of it. All right, folks. Our next entry on the evening comes to us from Barb. Hi, Derek. My name is Barb, longtime listener of the podcast, and I really enjoy listening to all the stories. I think you do a great job. Recently, I'm all current and caught up, and recently in one of your shows, you talked about a flannel shirt man, and I wanted to tell a story that uh, happened to me ugh, about 20 years ago now, maybe 15 years ago. I was living in Mesa, Arizona at the time, and a little one-bedroom apartment by myself, just me and my cats, so there's no other person living with me. Never had any experiences or anything in the apartment. It was just fine. Well, one day I was getting ready to to leave out of my front door. When you walked to my front door, the way that the apartment was set up, there was a wall directly to your left where the coat closet was, and then to the right is the living room and the kitchen. So it's an open plan. You can see the whole place. Well, I go to reach for the door handle to leave, and out of the corner of my eye on my right-hand side, so this person or sighting, they would have come from my apartment area. All I could see out of the corner of my eye was like a 
a red and black flannel shirt, like the big squares that my grandpa used to wear when I was a little kid. And I just got the impression of, wait a minute, I have to tell you something. And I don't know why I thought that, but that's just the, the vibe that I got. And it startled me enough that I, I jumped and I looked and I had to like take stock for a minute. And I actually went around my apartment to make sure nobody was hiding under the bed or, you know, in the closet or anything. Like I got the impression it was a flash of somebody standing there, but all I could make out was that red shirt. And I don't know what it was. I, I didn't get scared. You know, I came home that night and I wasn't freaked out to be there. I just got the impression of, well, just wait a second. And I've, I've always wondered, well, was that somebody from the other side just wanting me to wait a few seconds to leave so I avoided a car accident or something? Or and I don't know. But it's the only time it's ever happened. And just wanted to, to share my share my story with you. And uh, again, I love the podcast. Uh, but I hope you guys have a, a great day and keep up the good work. Thank you, Barb. You know, this flannel man thing is similar to the mirrored men phenomenon in that it was first quote-unquote uncovered on a podcast, or at least elevated on one. The host most associated with this strange phenomenon being Timothy Renner from his show Strange Familiars. In fact, I've dusted off an old clip from Season 8, Episode 19, where Timothy and his wife Allison discuss the origin and mythos of this unusual figure. This is Timothy Renner, host of Strange Familiars Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Allison, who's also my wife. And the reason she's sitting beside me is we're talking about this flannel man entity. And she was the first person I knew to experience this phenomenon back in the mid-90s. Tell us what you saw, Allison. We fell asleep kind of routinely. At the time, I slept on the floor of my bedroom and you were sleeping over. We were listening to Nurse With Wounds, Thunder Perfect Mind, which has this very rhythmic kind of hypnagogic kind of drumming into it. And sometime in the middle of the night, I woke up. And when I woke up, I saw what looked to me like an evil brawny paper towel guy <laughs> or like Yukon Cornelius uh, overgrown woodsman plaid clad man. <laughs> And I screamed and everyone in the house came into the room because I think they thought you were trying to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you see? I saw what looked like um, a lumberjack. Standing at our feet. Standing at our feet, bigger than life. It was just so taken aback by waking up in the dark and seeing something that I screamed. And it was just, this, at the time, the scariest thing I could have imagined. I mean, he wasn't supposed to be there. Right, that yeah, was the scary part. That's the scary part. Somebody's not supposed to be in your room that isn't invited. Sure. But he did look kind of like he was caught. He wasn't making a move towards hurting me. He was just there. So this happened in the 90s, and some time passed after that, before I had looked on some internet forum and found people talking about this flannel man entity. You're our resident skeptic at Strange Familiars, and I uh, mentioned... I'll own that. <laughs> I mentioned offhandedly that even you had experienced something, and I mentioned this flannel man character. That really burst open the floodgates, and we started getting account after account after account of people who had seen what we call flannel man. It's not one entity. It seems to be an army of different fellows, and even women. We've had a couple flannel women accounts as well who wear these checked or plaid shirts, most often buffalo plaid, red and black. Not always, though. We've had some yellow plaid. 
We've had some brown plaid. We've had even some blue plaid, I believe. For a while, we were getting reports almost weekly. Uh, we still get a lot of reports. We've done at least four full shows on Flannel Man, on Strange Familiars. And we've had lots of other Flannel Man stories in other episodes that weren't fully dedicated to Flannel Man. Unfortunately, I can't tell you what he is. I can tell you John Keel talked about these entities in the 1970s. I can tell you that there was a mine collapse in the 1940s in which a guy in a plaid or check shirt walked out of the wall, told the miners they would be saved, they would be okay, and walked back in the wall and they could not find the doorway from which he entered or exited. The miners were saved, by the way. His prediction was correct. Theories as to what this guy is have ranged from everything to a watcher on the threshold to something like the Men in Black to a modern version of Odin walking through the world. I think he would have been missing an eye. We have a, a flannel man story of uh. a guy missing an eye. Hmm. So whatever it is, it seems to be cropping up. It seems to be some sort of archetype or thing that people are seeing in many strange situations. It's definitely a thing. You can go to strangefamiliars.com and find all of our flannel-related content there as well. My big thanks to Timothy and Allison. And unfortunately, it seems Timothy is going through some medical issues and has been sidelined for some time. So if you can, hop on over to Strange Familiars and show them some love. I learn about this sharply dressed enigma while you're at it. And thanks again, Barb, for sharing your entry. Now, before we move on to our final call of the evening, I wanted to take a quick moment to thank the Monsters Among Us admin team. They keep our social media platforms a fun and enjoyable place to get your spooks and scares. And for that, I am ever so grateful. So a huge thanks to Warren, Sarah, John, Tony, and of course, Addie and my wife, Sarah. Without them, who knows where we'd be. Thanks, guys. All right, here we go. Tonight's <clears throat> final entry. And for this one, we take flight with Rowan. Hi, Derek. This is Rowan, and I was prompted to call you about flight as a little child, believing that I could fly whenever I heard what you had to say about someone else's depiction of this. From as far back as I can remember, I believed that I could fly. I remember the feeling of it. I remember the mechanics of it. And my mother would find me in weird places, like on top of the refrigerator, inside of a corner cupboard built in, and I would be sitting in a serving bowl she would open the door that was shut on me and ask what I was doing in there and I would say just sitting but as far back as I remember I just wanted to be close to the ceiling for some reason I felt comfortable there but I remember the feeling of the air currents and the currents around me the joy of being up high and this was I guess in Rosendale Missouri and then in Bulco Missouri I was an odd little kid but I did a lot of lucid dreaming, and I could remember things from being told. It, it was like I carried them forward. I don't know if that makes sense, but I spent most of my time with 
the elderly, even as a toddler. I had a neighbor named Uncle Jess that I have zero pictures of, but <laughs> I don't remember how I met him or or what our relationship was other than he was just somebody that I enjoyed spending time with. And I was trying to think. I remember being about four and still having the feeling of flight. And when I turned five, my mother basically told me that I wasn't allowed to be a pie anymore and that um, she spanked me and sent me into my room, that it was a story and that I was making it up and people didn't do that. They couldn't fly. I also remember asking my father, we had farming property in Ravenwood, Missouri, and I would ask him about the trees, um, what the silver shining around them was and why it looked like the trees were breathing. And he just said, we don't talk about that to anyone. I remember him taking me to his college classes. He was a science major and education major. And I remember going to his classes and sitting in a table in the round and just talking to these people as, as a child would, I guess. <laughs> but I also remember him testing me a lot for different things and he stopped doing that about the time that I started asking questions about why he was doing that. But they were like intelligence tests and I would often dream about a day that went horribly, horribly wrong because I did everything wrong and then it would have been a dream and the next day I would be presented with the same circumstances. And I would just do everything the opposite and the day would go fine and that happened Oh, gosh, I don't know how many times, but probably more often than not. <laughs> it's just, it was strange, and I got in trouble once because we had a, what in, I guess, grammar school vernacular would have been a pop quiz or just a test that the teacher decided would entertain our minds while she tried to come up with a curriculum. So I was in the front of the class near her desk but I swear I did not cheat having the dream about the quiz the night before getting every answer wrong and being dismayed and then the following day having the test presented in real life and I got every answer right and I was one of the very few who did and the teacher did not believe my story about it being a dream the night before where I got every question wrong and she ended up spanking me in front of the entire class. And when I was later in the day, my father was the principal of my school, and he started being the principal the first day that I started kindergarten, but I was in the first grade at this point. And as he was going by the library, he saw that I was crying and upset, and he asked my best friend what had happened, and she explained to him that the teacher had spanked me in front of the class for sitting, and he took me aside and asked me what had happened, and I told him. Of course, he didn't believe me either. I guess the word that they used a lot with me was precaution as a child, and I, I got really, really angry about that because I was very intent on being honest with them when they would ask me questions. So I just kind of withdrew a lot, became a, a rather odd child, and 
while he would work in this doing paperwork, I would just read. And libraries became my sanctuary. The last memory that I have that was odd in that area in Volco, Missouri, was that I was in the first grade and we were having quiet time with our heads down on the desk. And my grandmother uh, presented herself in front of my window outside the school and she told me that she came to say goodbye and that she was going to home to, to live with Jesus and to take care of my mother because she was going to be really sad when I got home. And I said, okay. So I ran home after school and I told my mother, I said, Grandma came to see me at school today and she told me, don't be sad because she's going home to Jesus but that I was supposed to take care of you and she loves you. And she, <laughs> she literally sent me to my room without supper because she thought that I heard her talking on the phone as I was coming in the door. I didn't know who she was talking to. I don't know what was said. I just knew that she was crying. And I guess at that moment, her brother had told her that their mother had passed away in the hospital. So it was just a series of me not being able to express to adults what was going on with me. And so... Like I said, I was Drew, became a strange child and strange woman. <laughs> I later learned to get around stuff like that by just not talking about it for years. I really appreciate your format, and you're inspiring. Thank you, and keep up the good work. Bye. Thank you, Rowan. Now, I hope I got your name right. I know I've butchered my fair share of names over the past few years on this show. But anyway, there's a good bit to unpack here, so let's begin with the flying. For those that remember, I've talked about reoccurring dreams I would have, where I knew how to fly, and I could do so at will. And in the dream, if only I could remember once I'd awakened, I could continue those talents into the real world. It was almost as if I'd known and simply forgotten. And these dreams, they seem so real, so matter-of-fact. Well, as it turns out, those dreams have stopped for me. Thinking about it now, I realize I haven't had that dream in at least a year. I guess you could say quarantine has clipped my wings. But in reality, flying is not the best description for the phenomenon. And I imagine it's not for Rowan's example either. I believe levitating would be a more apt term. And as far as levitating goes, there are reports of it happening albeit sometimes in odd circumstances. You have witches of folklore who are said to levitate on brooms. Many floating humanoids have been reported and recorded floating around our cities here in the Southwest. And here as of late, over LAX, here in the Los Angeles area. Twice this past year, a floating human on a jetpack was seen in restricted airspace. And we've all seen at least videos of street performers and maybe even leather-clad magicians appear to hover before your very eyes. But deep down, I think we all know those to be tricks. Now, science is certain it's not possible. But a small part of me wonders if there might be some magic left in the world. And as for the treatment or the other experiences you were brave enough to speak up about... And you know, I was a weird kid, and I know you're shocked to hear that. But I'm thankful for those around me and that raised me, that allowed me to be that way. 
so hopefully your people are now more accepting. And thank you again for sharing the call. Well, ten bucks says I have that weird dream again tonight, now that we discussed all this. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Addie Lloyd. All audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. If you're looking for a very strange gift for that loved one in your life, you can now find me on Cameo. And you know that terrifying score that you're hearing? Well, that's co.ag music and white bad audio. Thank you so much for listening. And until next week. Now a little warning about tonight's secret entry. There may be spoilers of the dental elf kind in this upcoming call. So please proceed with caution. Now here with a tale about the tooth fairy. Please welcome Michelle from Indiana to the program. This is Michelle from Northwest Indiana. First off, I just wanted to start off by saying that I love the podcast. I recently found it. I love how you try to not so much debunk, but always try to find a reasonable explanation for everything first. I've always been fascinated with the paranormal. And because of that, I actually kind of started my own ghost hunting team. And that's always the first thing that we do is we try to find a reasonable explanation for everything first. Because I ghost hunt, I always get the question, you know, have you ever had any weird experiences? Have you ever seen anything? And, you know, I always say, like, well, you know, besides EVPs, not really anything. I've never really seen a ghost. I've never really had my own experiences. Listening to this podcast, though, that I kind of started second-guessing myself, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. I always forget this one story. I haven't told it to a lot of people, but, you know, listening to a lot of these stories, I thought maybe this would be a good platform to share that story. So here it goes. I was about maybe five or six years old. I had just recently lost my first tooth. And, you know, like every other parent does, when their child loses their first tooth, they talk to them about the tooth fairy. So I was getting all excited about the tooth fairy. My mom and my dad, like, put the tooth underneath your pillow and she'll leave money and, you know, all excited about it. I wanted to take it a step further and I wanted to write to Terry a letter. I remember I could read at the time, but I couldn't write. So I had to have been, this had to have been like either just started kindergarten or early before kindergarten. So I had my mom help me write a letter to the Tooth Fairy. And I don't remember exactly what was in the letter except for this one question. And I wanted to ask what color the Tooth Fairy's dress was. 
so we wrote it out in the form of a question with the answers as like check boxes like check there's three options i had check for pink check for purple or check for both colors both pink and purple I didn't give her any other options. Her dress either had to be pink or purple. So I remember going to bed that night and I placed this letter next to my bedside table and didn't think anything of it. Sometime during the night, you know, I, I don't remember exactly what time it was. It was still dark out. And I remember waking up and getting that excited feeling again, like, oh, the tooth fairy is going to be here. So I kind of just opened my eyes and peeked over to look at this letter that was on my table and I was trying to see if the tooth fairy had responded yet at this point and as I'm looking at this letter I'm realizing that there is a glowing ball of light it was about a quarter size ball of light and it faintly had like a pinkish purplish glow to it it was illuminating this piece of paper on my table I could see it all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, crap, it's the tooth fairy. I better go back to sleep, otherwise she's not going to leave me. And kind of like Santa Claus in my mind, you know, like, if she sees me, she's not going to leave me any money. So I quickly close my eyes and go back to sleep. The next morning, I wake up and looked under my pillow. I had the money, grabbed this letter and looked at it, and there was marks on this paper. Like, this, the tooth fairy had came and check marked on this piece of paper the questions that I had asked her. So I ran out to my parents' bedroom, woke them up. I'm like, look, look, Tooth Fairy came, you know. We're reading the letter, and we got to the question of what color her dress was, pink, purple, or both. And the box for both was checked. And I remember when I saw that ball of light, it was pink and purple. It was kind of all like just a, a mash of these colors together, just illuminating this piece of paper and I just remember it distinctively that it was those two colors and I remember asking my parents or I remember telling them that you know I what I saw that night that I saw this I saw the tooth fairy I saw this ball of light and they just kind of passed it off as oh you must have been dreaming or have a very active imagination type of thing they didn't really say anything else of it just like oh okay uh uh-huh kind of thing and so yeah that is my story of when I saw the tooth fairy as an adult now I know that sounds crazy I know it sounds ridiculous bringing up Santa Claus again you know it's it sounds like I could have been dreaming just over anticipating the idea of the tooth fairy you know I think about it and I do remember having somewhat lucid dreams as a child but I was always able to distinguish those dreams as being dreams, but not so much this one. This one just felt like it was so real, like that is like that is what I saw. It was real. I know it sounds crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just curious to know if anybody else has any other experiences with a tooth fairy-like creature or fairies in general I don't know I just always been curious like I said I don't really tell a lot of people that story because I know it sounds crazy I know it sounds like I could have just been dreaming I was a kid I don't know just like to hear your thoughts about it um thanks for listening have a good day thanks bye thank you Michelle you know if you're able I would check with your parents now I'd be curious to know if they've stuck to their story this whole time 
but as odd and, dare I say, unbelievable as all this sounds. Michelle's is not the only call like this that I have in that specific file. But unfortunately, you have to keep tuning in to hear those. Until then, thanks again, Michelle. And thank you for sticking around to the end of the program. Have a good night.